Hello and welcome to the Claude's SEN Law National and International Campaign Podcast. You're currently listening to Season 2, Episode 10, and our guest today is Sabrina Osso. Ask you to introduce yourself to my community and how are you? Are you well? Yes, thank you so much, uh, Claude. This is uh, so great to have this opportunity to speak to you and to all of your listeners, your audience. Um, uh, I'm in the States, uh, New Jersey specifically, uh, close to New York. And uh, my name is Sabrina Oso from Oso Safe. Feel safe where you live, work, and play. I am a speaker and consultant an author, recent author, on promoting safety and preventing violence in the workplace schools, but in particular, in your place of residence. Um, so yeah, so that's basically me in a nutshell. <laughs> that's wonderful to hear. And what made you start your initiative and made you feel that there was change that needed and yeah, what, what made you want to do what, you, what you're doing today? Yes, uh, I've had enough therapy to be comfortable enough to say that I am a, a survivor of violence. My father beat my mother on a regular basis. My mother would beat me. So I know firsthand what it's like to live in that type of horrific environment. And um, uh, just to kind of cut to the chase, I, I'm a dancer. I started late dancing because I couldn't even think about dancing growing up. There was always violence, abuse, chaos, dysfunction going on. So, and I had nobody to take me to dance. So I had to push that much further along. But eventually I did, I am a dancer, taking classes, uh, auditioning, getting gigs. And I wrote a one woman show called Home Sweet Home, question mark. I play different women being abused. She goes to her good place. That's where the dancing comes in. But then she's pulled back into the terror of violence. Uh, the show is, um, it ends really strong. It's empowering. But I did a lot of research for the show. And I could not believe, Claude, the statistics that I was finding, the, the, how common it was. So I said to myself, I need to make this into a business, a bona fide business with products and services that could really help people. So that's how Oso oh Safe was born, really, out of this one woman show. And uh, I'm not a nonprofit, we're not a charity. We respect all of the charities and nonprofits that deal with home violence, but we take a very different approach. It's more on the real estate end, like um, making residences safe by combining education and technology. So I hope I answer the question. No, you have. And it's really great to hear what you are doing. And especially within, I think, how would you say, what would you say the key solution to addressing abuse in society it has to be a practice so this has to be an ongoing practice especially if you come from abuse 
because you have a tendency to kind of uh, uh, continue the cycle. So we are big proponents of therapy at OsoSafe in any capacity, whether it be group, one-on-one, over the phone, uh, email, person-to-person. And a key ingredient, though, in all of this to... uh, Yeah, a key ingredient is respect. In abusive households, there is no respect, obviously, because uh, if you're beating someone up, if you're being verbally, physically, sexually abusive, there's no respect. So respect is key. You could still disagree. We're not saying at Oh So Safe, oh, you're never going to have a fight with your boyfriend or girlfriend. Everything is going to be perfect. If you have an argument that's very bad, no, we're not, that's not being realistic. Of course, you're going to have disagreements. You're going to have conflict. You're going to fight, but there's a way to fight. There's a way to be in a disagreement with someone. And that way is respect to always have that on the forefront of your mind, whether you're dating someone, whether you know them for a minute or 10 years, 20 years. Uh, and, and I also want to say, just because you are a parent, it doesn't give you the right to abuse your child. I'm going to say that again. Just because you are a parent, it doesn't give you the right to abuse your child. Because a lot of parents think, well, my house, my rules. You're going to do as I say. You're the kid. I'm the parent. This is how it is. You don't like it. When you get older, you move out. When you make your money, that's not an oh-so-safe property. That is not a property that is practicing empowerment, encouragement, safety, respect, freedom. That is uh, controlling. That is dominating, manipulative, and children... Yes, they need to be disciplined. Discipline instills education, whereas abuse instills fear. So there's a big difference there, discipline and abuse. So uh, I hope I answer the question. Sometimes I go off on a tangent, but all of these things combined are the ingredients to a good, safe, respectful, healthy household. And yeah, I would totally agree. And I think you brought up really key points in the fact that what would you say or how would you say society needs to take priority when it comes to domestic issues? Because, of course, we sometimes have families that are finding it hard to feed their children and they don't have that support when we've got education in a kind of crisis or we've got other issues of systems that are broken and not delivering. So what would your um, answer be in regards to those points? Yes. um, We have to be careful where I think a lot of the time when we speak about global issues uh, and, and, and that's worldwide, whether it be in the United States, Canada, Europe, uh, the whole continent of Africa, Australia, um, South America, 
we tend to like money, right? The economy, people get upset if they are not making enough money. Maybe they take it out on members of their family, their children, uh, they lose their job. But I have to say, uh, Claude, these are excuses. Just because you lost your job, uh, a hurricane takes your house, a tsunami takes all of your belongings, um, you, there's a sickness in the family. All of these things are not excuses for violence, for abuse, for chaos, for dysfunction. There's plenty of families out there that are going through tough times, and, but they, they always keep respect as their uh, foundation, as their anchor, as that boundary that we're not going to cross that boundary just because dad or mom lost their job so they beat the kids when they get home. That's not going to bring the job back. That is not going to help the economy. That is not going to put food on the table. Um, I, I find it strange when people say, you know, we were poor and that's why my dad was always angry. My mom was always angry. That wasn't the issue. Uh, even if they had money, I bet you would still be abused. So it has nothing to do with that. Yes, uh, uh, economy, if you're having a hard time financially, it poses a lot of problems, right? So I, I understand. But uh, it's no excuse to be dis disrespectful in your household. And, and I have to say, the global issues that we have, um, like Russia, Ukraine, um, in, in the United States, the school shootings, um, Europe, if we make home safe, if we concentrate on that, making your home safe, I think it'll fix a lot of problems. So we don't do that. And now we're suffering the consequences. And we've always suffered the consequences. But now I think it's more and more magnified. So for example, you have, and maybe some members of your audience will disagree with me. For example, Putin, uh, uh, the president of Russia. I can't imagine him as a child living in a good environment. If he did, he wouldn't be doing what he's doing. If he lived in a good environment, if he wasn't, uh, I, and I don't know his childhood per se, but I can bet any amount of money that it wasn't good. Because when you come from positivity, empowerment, encouragement, you're not going to persecute you're not going to dominate. You are not going to pillage. You are not going to control. You're going to work with people, whether it be governments, whether it be within your own household, whether it be with your spouse, whether it be with other leaders of other countries, other schools. You're going to work together. So uh, I hope I answered the question um, I feel like 
when I went to university, I, I saw this, this uh, saying for the first time and I said, wow, uh, that's me. Or I, I like that saying. And, and it said, um, act locally, think globally. And I feel like that answers your question, how I feel. If we make homes safe locally, one home at a time, where we educate everyone on how to be in a good relationship, what constitutes a good relationship, that if you pull your spouse's hair, that's abuse. If you punch them, that's abuse. That's terrorizing for a child. There should be no verbal, physical, sexual abuse. If we do that one residence at a time, collectively, the whole world will benefit from that. So act locally, think globally. I love that. And I think you've talked some wonderful talking points there, especially in the fact that there's always two sides of the story. And I think also in the fact where your saying was right on as well in the fact that, would you say it's now probably the time to be more gender balanced within society? So within supporting the men community, for example, being able to kind of reach out to them, and especially when we are in Men's Mental Health Week at the moment in this month of November. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, we, we do a huge disservice to our boys from a young age when we as parents say to them, and this is mothers and fathers, uh, stop crying like a girl, you throw like a girl, don't be a sissy, be a man, man up, all of that. Don't like the color pink, pink is for girls. Uh, don't like fashion, fashion is for girls. All of that contributes to gender inequality. It contributes to home violence. It contributes to sexual harassment. It contributes to... Uh, all, all kinds of violence, really, school shootings, which is a big problem here in the United States. Uh, so I feel like men, uh, they need to be treated with kindness from a young age, where they're allowed to shed their emotions, they're allowed to cry, they're allowed to say that I'm scared, that I don't know what to do. They should be allowed to say, uh, I'm not good at that. Will you help me? Um, I, I don't understand that. Can you explain it to me? Instead of what we do to them, you should know the answer. Be a man. You're, you, you, you're the breadwinner. Uh, you have to be responsible for everyone um, as far as money. Uh, only show the emotions of anger and rage. Don't ever cry. All of that contributes to gender imbalance, as you said, a lot, a lot, not, not a little bit, a lot. So, uh, and part of what we do at Oso Safe is to educate parents, educate residents, whether you're single, married, divorced, uh, whatever sexual orientation you are, it's irrelevant, whatever age you are, um, we teach about gender equality and 
better parenting and how what you say to your children, they will mimic in a very big way. So why not teach them positivity? So that way they will mimic positivity, teach them empowerment, teach them respect. So that way they will mimic respect and empowerment and they will do that for their own children. Um, so I feel like it's a very, uh, it's a collective for sure. It's a practice and something that we're doing at Oso Safe with residency in, in documents, in leases, in mortgages, in uh, titles to your property, make safety a required standard condition of residency. I think this will change the game for all residency on a global level. Make safety a required standard condition of residency. If you act like a beast, like a barbarian, like a savage in your home, we are proposing to the real estate industry that person who's an abuser should lose title to their property and have no access to their children at that residence. Done. It's done right there in residency. We're moving the real estate industry in this direction because quite frankly, Claude, uh, I know for a fact, if I had my own services growing up, my father would not have gotten away with half the things he got away with when I was growing up. Uh, I lived with a terrorist, two of them, my mother and my father. So it would have been a different reality if I had my services back then. You can't turn the clock back. All we could do is correct and move forward. Correct and move forward. Correct and move forward. I hope I answered the question. Oh, no, you did. And thank you so much for sharing. Having in mind of what you've also just said about the gun crime in America, what do you feel the solutions may be or the best, I don't know, reference point that you feel would decrease gun crime in America from your point of view? Yes, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. It, it go, it's worth repeating. It goes back to making homes safe for all children because if you trace the, in almost every case, if not every case, the shooter's background, nine times out of 10, even 10 times out of 10, I would say, their home life was hell. It wasn't good. There was always some type of violence, abuse, chaos, dysfunction. And the parents were lenient or they were abusers themselves. They allowed their child to be isolated and not really communicate always on the video games and and there's always warning signs always when it comes to violence abuse chaos dysfunction and this is what we teach at oso safe as well look for those warning signs every shooter left warning signs on social media on previous uh crimes whether it be theft whether it be threats i'm gonna shoot up that school Oh, 
uh, that girl, I'm going to attack her, or I hate animals and they have a history of harming animals or, or themselves or uh, talking about guns, fantasizing about shooting a whole school. They put it on social media or on, on paper in some manner and we ignore it. Those were all warning signs. So, and all, most of the shooters are all young adult males for the most part here in this country. That to me screams, we're doing a huge disservice to our boys. It goes back to what we spoke about. We have to give them good attention. We have to educate them. We have to talk about the taboo subjects, quote unquote. We have to give them tools on how to process their emotions. If they're having a bad day, you know, kids have tantrums, right? They, maybe they saw something that upset them, but they don't make the connection that, uh, oh, that made me sad. So now I'm going to punch or slam a door. This is all connected to their emotions. So then you have parents saying to them, uh, like, get a gun, or it's okay to have guns, or uh, uh, you should fight. You know, you should punch the boy out, get into fights. This is not the solution. This is not the solution. And you're making a killing machine of your child, especially if they're male. So to answer your question, we feel at Oso Safe, if we want shootings, school shootings to diminish and be eradicated altogether, we have to make concerted efforts to make homes safe, which means being preventative, which is what we do, because we don't wait for an episode of violence to occur, then police come to the residence, bad news travels fast. We do it right at the beginning of residency. Uh, okay, we're going to give you the keys, but before we do, you're going to get educated on facts, statistics, warning signs, definitions of abuse, the difference between abuse and discipline, uh, we educate adults and children alike. We have therapists assigned to the property. That way, if you're going through a hard time, either with yourself or with a family member, you could check in with your therapist and say, look, I'm having a hard time. I'm having bad grades or my child is having bad grades or I'm going through a divorce. I'm really feeling angry. A therapist can help you through that. These are all components, part of the OSO-SAFE certification for residency. It's all preventative, Claude, versus waiting for an episode of violence to occur. And quite frankly, at that point, it's almost too late. So we feel that with the school shootings, if, they, if these boys got educated and were listened to from when they were three, four, five years old, six years old, it would never gotten to the point of where they shoot up a school, killing teachers, students, staff. 
it never would have gotten to that point. It would have been nipped in the bud way before. I hope I make sense. Oh, very much so. Thank you so much for that great insight there. And would you say then, do you believe that America should still have the uh, right to still have a gun to protect themselves? Or do you believe that that should be debated? I, I, I don't, we shouldn't have guns. We shouldn't. We really shouldn't. What do you need it for, really? If, if there's respect, if there is um, uh, uh, empowerment and, and freedom and uh, positivity, what do you need a gun for? Uh, and I understand Second Amendment, so on and so forth, but the guns that we have here are war, war guns. I mean, these, these, these violent kids... 18, 19, 20-year-olds, 20 21-year-olds have ammunition to take out soldiers, entire armies, and they're killing little children. So we don't need that at all. I mean, what, what is the point of that? So it's illogical. It's really illogical. So, um, and, and I do know a lot of people that have guns that are mentally stable they're mentally stable they they wouldn't hurt anyone they are they just like having a gun because they they like the sports the, the sporting of it or what, whatever you call it you know so the thing is there are plenty of statistics that say when you put a gun into the equation uh, the likelihood of someone being greatly injured and or killed, I mean, it skyrockets, you know, the, the probability of something happening, a, f a fatality skyrockets. So, uh, yeah, and, and, and I'm Italian. Uh, my, uh, my parents were born and raised in Italy. I'm first-generation Italian and I travel back and forth between here and Italy quite a bit, not since COVID, but I, I have a lot of family in Italy. And my cousins will say, Sabrina, we're not even allowed to have a gun. Uh, you know, and he's an attorney. One of my cousins is an attorney. He's not allowed to have a gun. And, and I, you know, he's not saying that people don't have guns in Italy. Of course they have guns, but it's not easily permissible. It's not... Oh, I turn 18 or I'm a kid. I could just go to some local grocery store and purchase a gun. It doesn't happen in Italy. So uh, I hope I answered the question. I mean, we, we, we shouldn't, not, not in this country. It, it's how, how many more children have to be killed in order for us to see that, you know? Totally agree. And would you say that it's time for, because after like previous leadership, especially in America, to the UK and to certain countries, would you say, what would be your best advice for individuals calling for transparency and accountability from our world leaders from your point of view when, when we talk about your organization as well? Well, I feel that 
uh, President Biden uh, on the America side, he's doing him and Kamala Harris, Vice President Kamala Harris, they're doing as much as possible uh, to pass the laws that need to be passed to prevent more fatalities. But the Republicans, the and I would say even some of the Democrats, I guess, but for the most part, it's Republicans uh, and the NRA, the National Rifle Association here, it's very strong. And they need not to be strong. Uh, there is a hypocrisy there, you know. So, so on the one hand, they, they, they preach safety, you know, and then they have all of these fatalities. So then pass the laws that need to be passed, you know, to, to um, not have more fatalities in schools, especially in schools for crying out loud, elementary schools. And I do, I do think though that the parents, and I, I've said this, I, I've signed petitions on this or commented, the parents of the shooters, they need to be thrown in jail as far as I'm concerned because they have made killing machines of their children so they allow them to go get a gun. I think they even encourage that behavior. They, um, they need to be held accountable, I would say. A lot of the, all the parents of these shooters that, because they're violent and they're abusive. So the kids are kind of copying the parents' behavior. So it, it's, it's just... Um, one goes hand in hand with the other. Uh, and I, I would say just make it no exception with the world leaders, especially in this country. Make no exception. No, no, no ammunition, no war, war uh, AK-47s or whatever, whatever those, those crazy am, uh, uh, guns are. Do away with them all. Do away with them all. And even the gun, the gun shops, the gun shops, they need to be held accountable by far, by far. Uh, what are you doing selling a weapon of destruction, mass destruction to a child, a violent child, an 18-year-old, a 19-year-old? When I say a child, I mean a young adult, but they, they are children, very sick children, so I don't think it's one right answer. It's many right answers working together. I hope I answered the question, Claude. No, you have. And um, I think it's very interesting that you said that because I see even in the UK we have a issue because they have an education crisis. Most of the children are either becoming drug dealers because they are vulnerable to other factors of life and then it's been like reported and you know I think what's very interesting in those points and just in general society do you feel because what I see uh, for example there's not enough youth within congress so would you feel there needs to be more youth voice within congress in America yes youth you're saying youth voice voices of the youth absolutely absolutely uh I think 
a lot of the the victims of all of these school shootings they are becoming more and more vocal especially uh the one in uh, Parkland uh, that was the one in Florida i believe february 14th uh 2018 where um nicolas cruz he shot up i i forgot how many students and teachers and those were high schoolers so the high schoolers took it upon themselves to make their voices heard to to have their presence in congress to say look you you better step it up because we're not going to tolerate this we're going to be a voting age and now they are because they were 17 and 18 back then that was 4 years ago so now they're definitely even uh, i'm sure they're they're more um proactive if you will in, in the, on these issues because i mean some of them have gun uh, bullets still embedded in them sh- shrapnel or you know uh the the components of the gun or the the bullets or the magazines that they used i mean who is crippled who's in a wheelchair who's got some disfigurement who is dead murdered uh who witnessed their friend bleeding to death i mean these are all it's trauma it's it's terror you know so um but i do believe it still goes back to making home safe uh that has to be a focal point uh yes pass the legislation get the laws passed uh, uh um but let's educate right in the home let's make safety a required standard condition of residency and we do believe if we do that our schools will be safe universities shops theaters workplaces uh public places concerts clubs all of that will be safe but let's make homes safe first let's concentrate on that which is what we're doing at also safe as 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 fast as possible as much as possible thank you so thank you claude thank you i wanted to also ask in regards to like creative art um do you feel that there could be more of support for those kind of outlets in like dance art and the ways of making children feel that they're able to be expressive in different ways from you were saying that you have a dance background yes yes you're asking me if uh the performance arts or uh p- performing arts is uh instrumental in healing is that what you're asking basically yes and also do you feel they could be supported more and what solutions could support those kind of outlets to be yes. more accessible. Yes, absolutely. In fact, uh because I'm a dancer, I do uh integrate dance and acting in in everything that we do, especially for schools and universities because as a student uh and you see a performance, you really understand it makes more of an impact when you see it in a performance style especially with taboo subjects such as what we're talking about right so definitely 
they should never uh, the arts, especially performing arts, music. Uh, it's definitely an outlet. Uh, it needs to be as heavily weighed as science, as math, as languages, as uh, anatomy and calculus and all of those subjects. Those are very important subjects. Um, uh, the performing arts, dance. I, I would say they should make it mandatory to have ballroom dancing in all schools from very tiny uh, ages because in ballroom dance, you're partnering, right? Boy, girl, 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 boy, boy, it doesn't matter. And you learn body language and you really understand what working with a partner is because you are dancing, you're sharing movement, right? So, and I think it will, it will melt a lot of um, hostility between boys and girls if they, if they have ballroom dance as a, as a, yes, a, a way of expressing, a way of venting, but also as a way of, wow, um, we're really working together here to make a beautiful piece of choreography or just for fun or it's a connection, you know? Um, so I, I think it's very important, you know, singing, dancing, acting, playing an instrument. That should never, if anything, it should be more frequent, more stronger, more, um, and just more of it in, in schools, universities, all around, whether you decide to major in it or not, whether you decide to make it into your profession or not, these are very important um, outlets, uh, uh, healing tools. I would say they're healing tools as well, for sure. You know, I hope I answered the question. You did, and thank you very much. And. What I would love to ask then is in regard to your book, because I know you mentioned about that at the beginning, if you would like to kind of give us a bit of a glimpse of what your book covers and of course, what's your tips for other authors as well out there? Yes, sure. Uh, I wrote a children's book uh, called Home Safe Home for You and Me. And it's for children and uh, I would say, though, children from pre-K, kindergarten, to, I would say, up to 13, 14 years old. And in the book, I am showing the difference between respect and disrespect. And I am giving it as a tool. I have something, an entity called Oso oh Safe Kids. So it's, and I'm speaking to kids that are safe at home and also to kids that are not safe at home. All of them are also safe kids. So in the book, I say, if you're not safe at home, say your cheer. I want to live where I am also safe, and I am also safe with, if it's not mom and dad, not stepdad, not stepmom, who do you feel safe with? I am giving them the power, the choice, 
that they get to say who they feel safe with, an aunt, an uncle, a grandparent, a close family friend. Because in a no-so-safe certified property, we don't wait until they're 18 to say, okay, now you get to decide who you feel safe with. It's too late. We say, who do you feel safe with if it's not mom and dad? Do you have an aunt, an uncle, a grandparent, a close family friend? So our book, my book is to let them see that they have choice. And when they're ready to say who that choice is, well, I feel safe with Aunt Sally or Uncle Fred or Grandma, Grandpa, and that's who they should live with. Because if they continue live, living with mom, dad, stepmom, stepdad who are abusive, they're continuing to be poisoned. And why? The, the sooner they could live their best life, the better. So the book is about empowering children, especially the ones that are not safe at home, who they feel safe with, and to say it at school. So uh, it's on Amazon as well as uh, Barnes and Noble, but uh, it's on Amazon on Kindle and paperback. And uh, um, yeah, and, and it, it, I, I would say to authors, I used uh, Steve Young from Yes Bear Publishing. He was wonderful, wonderful. He will give you a very good price. He finds you the illustrator if you don't have one. He's very uh, uh, economical and he gives recommendations to make the text better, the illustrations. He works with you. He's very kind, very patient, and he has a lot of good feedback. He was very good. So I, I recommend him. Steve Young at Yes Bear Publishing. He's based in Tennessee, uh, America, in, the, in the U.S., Tennessee. Thank you very much. And a big question I would have is like, okay, so we've got the uh, FIFA World Cup at the moment, but what would be your view in the fact of the narrative of when countries need to probably look at their own issues and, of course, when they are issues within a country when they are holding a uh, FA Cup, but of course when other countries have this same issue of human rights, freedom of speech and migration. How would you, uh, what would be your advice for world leaders to be better negotiators within communication? If that was a simple question that you can answer. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I believe I understand what you're saying. Uh, well, uh, I think the World Cup and all of these um, communal, whether it be sporting events or, or artistic or, but especially sporting events, they are great avenues of standing up for what you believe in, right? Because a lot of the players, they will use that to, to say their voice, whatever it is, like Iran, right? Iran with Masa uh, Amini, and uh, and so many other countries that are speaking out on behalf of their country's injustices. So they they they're using the World Cup to seek a voice, to seek justice, to seek awareness, and and I would say respect and freedom 
you know, at the end of the day, it's about freedom and, and respect. You know, they go hand in hand, I would say. So I applaud the world leaders that allow their players to go and participate because I think that's important, right? So, and it's a risk. I know these players, they risk a lot by being vocal. I think in Iran, the uh, Iranian players, some of them, uh, I, I think they either they, they, did, they did some sort of gesture or something. Uh, it could be even the Olympic Games, but I think for the soccer games, I forgot what it was specifically. And, you know, they run the risk of, well, if you go back to your country, you, you'll be thrown in jail. You're, you're... And I, I applaud them for speaking out. So I would say it's not just the world leaders. It's all of us together uh, to, to do our part, you know, because I think the world leaders, they, uh, yeah, they need to do more for sure. But also I think we that are not world leaders are doing what we need to do and, and we need to do more of it. Because in fact, there, there was a post by um, someone for Iran, a lot of the movement with Masa Amini and her murder is being led by young girls cutting their hair, saying no to the hijab. Young girls, 15 years old, 14 years old, and they will be heard. And I could relate because... Uh, also safe, we are empowering children to speak out on behalf of their own abuse. Because Claude, I have to say, and in a way, this is like the world leaders in this country. I can only speak in this country, but I could probably speak on behalf of the world. The lawyers, the mediators, the parent coordinators, the so-called child protective service agencies, and the judges horrible, horrible uh, conclusions for these kids. They're in court. You present all of the evidence that the parents are abusive, either the mother, the father, or both, or the step-parents. Plenty of evidence. The child is suffering, and yet the child is made to stay with the abusive parents or the abusive step-parents. They have failed. In this country, five children a day are killed at the hands of an abusive parent under the watch of the law, the courts, the judges, the child protective service agencies. I'm sorry, but we at Oso Safe were saying you had your chances. It's time for us to take over. We'll take care of it right in residency where it needs to be taken care of because you failed our children. And we're saying to kids, we know that it's scary. And we're saying they're going to beat you even more, kids. They are going to beat you. They're going to threaten you. They're going, they're going to lock you in your room. They're going to verbally, physically, sexually abuse you even more. The more they abuse you, the louder you have to get. It's the only way to get to freedom. 
And I'm doing this because I say, oh, uh, oh, so safe kids. Oh, so safe kids. So, yes, the world leaders have to speak out more as far as negotiation. I don't know if you can negotiate with a terrorist. You know, and there are ter there's terrorism in many ways, many levels, you know. So are you really going to see eye to eye? If, if you are for safety, but yet your, oppo your opponent is for persecution and rape and, and verbal, physical, sexual abuse and, and control and dominance, are you going to see eye to eye? I don't know. So put the control, put the power in, onto the victims. In my case, uh, in all of our cases, it's children, really. And then on a global level, it's adult children, right? We're all adult children, right? You're suffering in your way. I'm suffering in my way. Uh, so don't, I guess my answer is, yes, the world leaders have to do more. They have to negotiate better. I guess they have to be more uh, uh, like where they say, we're not going to put up with this. That's it. They, they're do, they, that's what they need to do. But we need to do our part. And I think you are in your way. I am in my way. Uh, so empower the powerless. As much Love as that. possible, uh, you know, as much as, especially children, mm. yes. especially children, they could speak on behalf of their own safety. They don't need anybody else to speak for them no. at all. I don't, I don't care if they're teeny tiny or high school, they know who makes them feel safe and we need to trust that. Thank you so much. And I'm so glad we covered those points and what I would probably add on to say is that I think what's another important point is what you were kind of referring to is the participation of everyone. But also, I think the commodity, really, is the costuming as well side of things that is very interesting to look at. And I would also say that we've seen from the climate talk recently just gone of how we couldn't take on two important elements of the Paris Agreement and the loss and damage. And of course, one had to be traded off because of investment. Some individuals don't like to pay, of course. But what I think is interesting, what you were just saying about, you know, the children and about their well-being and safety, is that there seems to be this big gravy train. And of course, that whole process where you know you have lawyers you have this whole court process but when it's not for two sides of the story or it may be only for one side of the story it's such an interesting one and what I was probably going to add on as well is I think would you believe if we are able to have a society that does think about the individuals and not about commodity or being bought off yes yes um 
Yes, uh, I, I, I think it's what we've been saying throughout this interview, really, you know. Um, yes, the individual, the, the, we are all uh, a collective, I would say, you know. And I, I do want to point out, there's nothing wrong with money. We need money. We need money to pay our bills. We need money to move forward. We need, it's money in the wrong hands. That's the problem. Because I know I would be much further ahead if I had more money, free and clear. So, and I am, I am very big on, yes, I, I want to be rich. I, I should be rewarded financially because I want everyone to be safe especially children. And you can't do that if you're, if you're holding a bucket waiting for donations, because then it's a back burner issue. Well, we say at Oh So Safe, no, this has to be a paid service and it needs to be resolved right now because children have been suffering way too long, way too much. And there's plenty of charities out there for domestic violence, so on and so forth, but are children any safer? Not really. Not when there's five of them being killed every single day in this country alone under, at the hands of an abusive parent, under the watch of a law, a child protective service agency. So that's a system that's broken and a broken system is not, is not a system at all. So money is good if it's in the right hands because when you have money in the right hands things move faster so i want to say that it's it's okay to want money it's okay to be rich as long as we do good with that money right which is what i think we're saying basically so so uh and, and, and you can have it all. You can still have climate, uh, uh, um, take care of climate change and take care of whatever issues are at hand and still be a good, rich person, you know. So you don't have to sacrifice one for the other. There are good, rich people out there, you know. So, so um I think that's an important point, you know, to, to make, uh, because otherwise, um, as I say, victims don't need pity. They don't need handouts. What they need are solutions. They need resolution. So, and that means products and services that actually help them and actually resolve the problem. Uh, and, yeah, so I hope I answered the question, Claude. Um, like I said, sometimes I go off on a tangent, but it's all related, you know. Um, uh, we, we, the victims do have the power, though. They do. Um, yeah, I want to say that again, to empower the powerless. Thank you so much. And it's really been a pleasure to have you on. And I'm really glad that we discussed some wonderful topics. Um, my last question would be then is do you feel that we are able well okay one do you feel that we are able to have a world that's inclusive 
and diverse? And then two, do you believe in world peace? Yes, yes and yes. And, and it goes back to uh, act locally, think globally. Because I, I do believe whatever we do will affect everybody else. It's kind of like the ocean, right? You drop a rock and then it ripples out, right? So, so uh, it's, a, it's all energy. So if I do something good today, you're going to benefit from it, even though you're across the Atlantic Ocean, you know, I do believe that. So, and if you do something good where you are, I'm going to reap the benefits of it. Somehow, some way, it will be across, it's all energy. Um, it goes back to education and repetitive education, not just one and done. So I do believe that it goes to residency because our, our homes are the foundation for everything, Claude, everything. So if our world leaders grew up in a good home, in a respected, respectful environment, then they will be good leaders because they have a good foundation and they will, they will um, continue that in their administration, in their constituents, in their, the people that they hire. So, so I do believe that we can, just like we can have inclusivity, we can have peace, but it starts one residence at a time, I do believe. So if we can do that, which is our intent, like I get asked on podcasts, do you believe that homes can be safe. Yes, absolutely. And you want to know why? I know that 100%. Because I know personally, and professionally families that don't have any violence, abuse, chaos, dysfunction, it doesn't exist. When I tell them certain uh, examples of what families go through, or even my own experience, their eyes pop out of their head and their jaws drop to the ground. Like, what? What do you mean? Fathers raping daughters, children uh, living with, with people that do pornography in their own homes, uh, verbal, physical, sexual. I never, I, I never in my house, never. So they are proof that it can be done. So if one family can do it, the rest of us can do it. It's about uh, having consequences if you're not safe, consequences if you're an abuser, education, uh, repetitive education, having the technology to keep everyone in check, repetition of all of these components put together. So yes, we can achieve world peace. We can achieve inclusivity and, and have uh, um, respect. It's all about respect and freedom, but it has to start in the home. If we have it in the home, it'll be worldwide. I hope that makes sense.
That's how I feel anyway. Thank you very much. It really has been a pleasure to speak with you today. And yes, um, I think we've really covered some wonderful topics. And um, what I would say to everyone, thank you for everyone who joined, by the way. And um, if you do have any more questions, uh, this Instagram Live will be uploaded. You can feel free to, of course, put them in the comments and also send them over to Sabrina, um, her her uh, handles here at the below but thank you for your time and uh, thank you to everyone who joined this instagram live today anything else you would like to add on oh i, I just want to thank you for this opportunity i, I thank you so much uh